podcast is changed. I can feel it in the audio. I can feel it in the editing. I can feel it in the air. Much of what was traditional roguelikes is lost, for none now live who remember them. Happy Grogentine's Day, everyone! Hooray! <laughs> this, uh... This week, this episode, uh, you are joining us on a very nice uh, way to spend uh, the time with your significant other by listening to a video game podcast where people talk about uh, roguelike video games of all uh, tastes and flavors and fillings and whatever whatever uh, kind of message that you get on the candy. Uh, I am your master of both the podcast and of Dreadfell Tower, Scott Berger, and adventuring across this fabled fantasy continent, plotting my doom, are my podcast co-hosts. Hello, it's Colin, and my horde of Pokemon, I mean, monsters that I have summoned my bidding to defeat my enemies. Uh, and this is uh, this is Will. This is the 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 extra life that enemies have. That's 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 the essence <laughs> of what I am here, that uh, you think you've got them beat, but nope, they were just at half health all along. And lastly, it's I, Eidolon, Andrew, Corrections Corner. I'm sorry, Mid uh, Nightmare Reaper. The sprite update actually came out in 2020. It didn't come out last year. <laughs> Harshman. Right, out of the way. All right. Indeed, indeed. Well, this episode, we're casting all of the charm spells we can muster this week with talking about a biggie. It's Tales of Majayal. Probably our, our, it's our newest, oldest game. I think the oldest game that we've covered up to this point was 2011, possibly FTL, I think was maybe the, old, the oldest game that we talked about thus far. Maybe Binding of Isaac. I think maybe those were on par with each other. But Tales of Majael, Tome, uh, came out originally. Well, I guess to be clear, we're talking Tome 4 this time. This game has kind of had a long grandfatherly history coming out originally as Tales of Middle-Earth. Back in October 24th, 1998, and uh, iterating and iterating wow. along the way until we have what we now recognize as Tome 4, what we're playing uh, today, uh, which canonically, I'm, gonna, I'm going to use the May 11th, 2010 release date for it because it did predate its Steam release by a little bit. But if you go on Steam, you can see it was, uh, it was released on Steam a little bit later, December 31st, 2012, but we're going with the 2010 date. Uh, this is a PC ass PC game. Let's uh, to be clear, uh, this is a game that you can find for free on the te4.org website, where donations are happily accepted, uh, along with uh, some paid DLCs. Uh, and you can find it on Steam pretty routinely, anywhere between like seven dollars, not on sale, and like I think two dollars or less than that when it does go on sale very frequently. And you can find all the DLCs on there as well. Uh, this was made. This is a uh, solo dev with uh, open source support effort by Nicolas Casalini, a French dev that people might know better on the interwebs by his internet moniker Dark God. Uh, and this is this is a very engaging game for people that it resonates with. This is a game where you're. Uh, this is this is my new uh, interjected stat segment because people love numbers so much. Uh, What's my quote here? Your average player of this game has about 129 hours in it. Uh, and our last uh, little bit of uh, numbers trivia here, this clocks in as our number 167th most popular roguelike that we have with 4,773 total Steam reviews. Colin, 
Your mission escort is about to jump jump headfirst into a pack of wolves. What one sentence description do you give them of Tome before they are sent to the Eidolon plane? Uh, you're in for a treat. Uh, playing a truly traditional roguelike game. Um, it's got all it ticks all the boxes. Uh, and it's pretty fun to boot. We we have not go despite go, being... go to your death. Go to your death, minion. <laughs> uh, despite being titled a roguelike podcast, I think we we span the broad spectrum of what's included in that uh, that category. Uh, but for purists, for traditionalists who adhere to the strict dogma of the uh, of the religious texts, uh, we haven't really talked about many uh, traditional roguelikes on this program. We've talked. Uh, everyone's favorite hack slash loot. We've talked Cataclysm, Dark Days Ahead, Sword of the Stars, The Pit, Dungeons of Dreadmore, Shattered Pixel Dungeon, and Cogmind. And I think this this is kind of those. Uh, let's see, Dungeons of Dreadmore, Shattered Pixel Dungeon. I guess Cataclysm. I don't know. We we kind of dunked on Cataclysm a lot, uh, but all those and and Cogmind are kind of uh, well. Okay, maybe not Dreadmore, but the rest of them are like new wave traditional roguelikes. This. Tales of Montreal, I think, was the last hurrah of the original pre-Steam era traditional roguelike games. Uh, and yeah, has a has a very long and storied history. I've got a whole bunch of factoids here ready to go. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm curious about, about people's uh, first impressions of this game, because it's been a little while since we've played said traditional roguelike. Andrew, you have not had the opportunity to play a traditional roguelike on this program yet you've been spared up until this point i'm curious around the horn that i well I, okay so the first thing that when people are going to be frantically googling the, this game when they come to it uh they'll most likely come to the steam page and they'll see the art for this game and the trailer that showcases said art for this game do we want to go around the horn with art impressions to to kick off or do we want to save that for later <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm okay. I mean, this is going to be a lot of just talking about um, the negative aspects of it um, from my point of view. So if you, wherever you want to start, it's fine by me. Um, uh, the, the art, uh, I don't know, Andrew, did you want to take it? I know you felt a lot more strongly about this than I did, but. Uh... <laughs> um, I, I think we should maybe uh, save the art discussion for maybe mid episode. But I do like the idea of going around the horn very briefly and, and you know, giving, you know, a one or two sentence review of an overview of our experience uh so i had a very busy gaming week uh i was painting up a storm i was dice rolling up a storm uh i was able to cram at the last minute and i got just under six hours into this game which uh, let's keep in mind that uh, the average uh, AAA shooter is probably less than six hours long. <laughs> uh, six hours is a pretty pretty decent chunk of, lest I come off a little uh, you know too defensive. But anyway, I played for about six hours. The furthest I got was like level seven or something. I did not finish, on none of my runs did I finish past the first quest and uh, I would say that uh, for those six hours, I think I was able to grok the appeal. But I can tell you those were a pretty neutral to bad six hours of gaming for me is my is my quick overview. But the rest of you had a very different experience in terms of the amount of time you played and uh, your levels of enjoyment, varying levels of enjoyment. Yeah, for me, I had I had put about 20 hours into this game a couple years ago. Uh, 
So I had I had kind of a a preview as to what this game was about. I at the time I despite putting 20 hours into it, never really got very far, never really understood what I was doing, never really grokked the the immense depth that there is to this game. Uh, and was always just kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't know. People people really like it, but I'm not sure why. Um, but this time around, because we've been forced to play it for the podcast uh, by my choosing, uh, I think I've come around to it quite a lot. Uh, because since then, we have played some other traditional roguelike games. Uh, I've put 100 hours into Cogmine since then. And then coming back to Tome, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I, think I get it now. Uh, and I think like it's kind of opened opened my brain up to to similar games like this that we'll talk about later, where before I was like, I don't have any idea how people could find this fun or interesting. And now I'm like, okay, I think I, I can get it. I don't, I'm sure that those games that we'll talk about later are not quite for me, but this this feels like a last uh, harumph and hurrah of like, you're, you're very like hobbyist level tinkering PC gaming where you're going in and you're like, oh yeah, I want to like change up the the mod or like dot ini files and like really go in and start ripping it apart and putting my own like flair on it. Uh it feels very very moddy and tinkery from that perspective and even just like all the crazy amount of stuff that's in it. Uh every time that I come back to this I'm like I want to experiment with this thing next and that's always been a refreshing experience. Well, um <laughs> yeah, no I I think I I I out of all the four of us Somehow, I I can't believe it. I looked at my the somehow hours. how could it possibly somehow be? I kind of most 60, of the video game sixty hours six zero in the span of two weeks. I work really hard, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> That's the funny thing here. It's like I was just torturing myself because I wanted to fucking beat the game, and it was just today that I finally got that W. And I tell Woo! you what, um, yeah, it's not worth it. Don't do it, folks. Um, <laughs> scared uh, straight. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, okay, the, 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 in a nutshell, the, the problem is that it's a roguelike game. Uh, oh, traditional games, roguelike. Ro- you, if you want to dress it up with other words, you can, <laughs> but like the nature of this kind of game is, um, is just bad overall. And the, the core reason, and I've had a lot of thinking about this, and I think the core reason is that you just, you don't know what the enemy is going to do. You'll have, if you have, Three or four enemies on the screen. You're on there. You're in the dungeon. You're in the hallway or wherever you are. You don't know what the enemy is going to do. Of course, over time, you get more familiarized with that kind of thing. But like, ultimately, the only way to really know is to, you know, hover over them, inspect the character, look at all their talents, look at and, and then mouse over every single talent, see what the range of that talent is, see what the cooldown is, and, and only by you know taking careful logs of like exactly when they use certain talents and how you know the cycle, like can you know like when it's good to do certain things? And so basically the, at, at the end of the day, you just end up memorizing an algorithm of like use these talents in this order, change it up if there's a spellcaster or if there's something with high health, and just do that over and over and over and over again. And you know. All the fun, if there is fun, is in the first 25 levels where your build is actually changing rapidly. You're getting new things. You're unlocking things. You're, you're becoming this powerful thing. And then it's just 25 more levels of, okay, here's another kind of somewhat useless talent point. And uh, okay, here's another like mildly better piece of equipment. Okay. And terrible plots. <laughs> Whoa, terrible, oh, hang on. Terrible hang plot, on. No. Terrible no, art. No. Well, 
What about the UI uh, is terrible? I mean, there's just so many things about this ooh, game. That, the UI, golly. Um, <laughs> the music, of course, I turned off right away as I do always. Um, but yeah. the music is actually bad for this, right? No, no. no. Uh, uh, okay, well, no, no, no. I I'm, also I'm turned it off. I, 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 it should be noted. Yeah. But the well, rockin', me, the rockin do... arena tunes, though. I mean, ooh, oh, I the arena tunes. Yet. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna have to give it a listen right now. Um, um well you well, say I terrible wanna, story my, oh yes my... please colin uh me, i'm me, curious me you might be in the middle i between I these two experiences uh i mean i i mostly liked playing the game so uh i therefore i'm in the middle uh yeah no i think there was a lot of there's a lot i i agree with the like the ui uh being an issue um i do not care about the graphics at all uh i i think that it it, they they did fine to get across what what was happening, um, I, but I wish that it was a better system to like display information, um, like uh, getting getting like to Will's point like of getting the stuff out, like figuring out what the enemy what ha what abilities they had to do. Uh, you you were a little overwhelmed with with what everything did and what everything had and like the amount of work it took to get. Uh, that knowledge into your brain if you didn't already have it just memorized um but like on the other hand like it was kind of interesting like every single thing that you fought had talents and abilities and stuff that you yourself could also have like i i, I did kind of I, like it's definitely a philo philosophical um <laughs> debate of like should the enemies be doing things that you can do or not? Is it, and, and like, I like that they, you know, had a pretty strong stance on that of like, yeah, like I fought some like big old orc baddie when I was, I was a berserker uh, in the first run that I did. And he was also a berserker. I'm like, we've like uh, almost the same build. And hmm. it was kind of fun that it was, it wasn't just like, oh, this is a monster with its own stuff. It's like, oh no, I'm going into his tree. It's like, he has that thing. I also have that thing. So like, oh, I know exactly what. Oh, sh I need to run away because he's going to be able to rush me like I would normally rush him. And he absolutely whomped me and I need to get away. Um, so it was like kind of I thought it was interesting that like you could go in and you could see every every one of their abilities was an ability that you could find in some tree of some character. Uh Maybe not one that I hadn't unlocked yet, but it existed somewhere. Um, and yeah, like it was. Yeah, I I do think you need to have you need to spend a, a fair amount of time playing it in order to like really grok all the systems because there are a lot of systems that are interacting with each other, and it's not the most intuitive. Um, like it, it doesn't do a really good job of explaining how everything works. Like you could find out on the wiki, but uh, you know, the, the further we go into the podcast, the more I uh am like it should be in the game it should be you should mm -hmm. be able to find stuff in the game and not have to go to the wiki we're going to we're gonna go to the wiki to find out exactly what the formula <laughs> is anyway. but like you shouldn't be required to um so yeah but I, I i think the the actual gameplay loop was pretty rewarding um uh especially i mean so maybe, maybe i i never got past i think the, the highest character i got was like 28 so maybe i haven't hit those levels that Will was talking about where you're really grinding through. But I mean, I put 20 hours into it and I still had an enjoyable time going through those first 25 levels. And like, 
figuring out how to synergize stuff and how these things like, oh, I'm going to only do so many things and to figure out how to like have all of these synergized together. And yeah, it was a fun puzzle. <laughs> you uh, raise an interesting point or you, you point out an interesting feature of this game, which I in the six hours did not realize that everything in the game, every creature that exists in the game is beholden to the same sort of rules and has access to the same systems. That is interesting. I'm not exactly sure how to uh, sort of summarize how that's interesting, but I don't know. It's cool that there is a sense of mechanical cohesion across the entire game world uh, That and the scenario you're describing uh, with the barbarian versus barbarian rage off sounds pretty <laughs> cool. Um, I can dig it. Well, yeah. I think... Uh, and then I ran away. I, I ran away and I <laughs> leveled up and then I came back and I absolutely murdered him. Yeah. This is one thing that I think uh, Tome kind of excels at once you start opening up things via unlocks is the, the diversity with its craziness. And it doesn't do it... Like one of my bones to pick with this is that it doesn't do it fast enough, but... Uh, again, if there if this game has been out for so long that if there's a thing that you can think of that you would change about this game, there's probably a mod for it that does that. Um, and for me, like having the like unlock all of the available races to pick from and all of the available classes just to experiment with and see like what is what's all different in here was very interesting because the first time that I played through it, <laughs> uh, this game does have a tutorial mode, and I, on this podcast, we like to shout out when games do tutorial modes. But oh man, like I don't know this. Like the tutorial for this game just felt so boring. Like it, it, it does its job. It's like click here to do this. This is an enemy. You will bump into them to attack them. This is how you click a thing from your Diablo style skill menu to kill them and stuff. It does all that stuff fine, but. I don't think it's 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 presented maybe too safely and it doesn't like it doesn't show you the vast diversity of craziness that goes on in this game. Like I think when you first boot it up you have access to you know like your basic warrior classes, your basic archer classes. I think you get the rogue by default. I can't remember but yeah. um but you get like the archmage class I think by default. No. No. Alchemist. Oh, but well I think you unlock the Archmage pretty fast. I yes. think it's probably one of the first unlocks. And the the starting like mission for the other the other classes are kind of all or is it is it race based? Now I'm getting confused. Anyway, let's let's start with how your story begins in this game. Depending on what race or class you pick, you can either have maybe the most boring vanilla intro to a fantasy game you've ever played. Or you are starting in outer space, jumping from asteroid to asteroid with the Earth in the background, and you are zapping monsters to their doom to save the celestial plane as your first mission. And that's that's kind of this game in a nutshell. Is like it can it can present itself at first as maybe like the most mid vanilla, boring looking palette you've ever seen, but just under the surface of that is like this like party snake style surprise of insanity that I don't know if anyone else has had like the different starts uh, to experiment with, but I went with my play experience. I went very wide instead of deep, like, Will, I was trying to experiment with as many little systems as I could. Um, and each one of those different starting styles was very, was very neat to me. You don't see that very often, especially 
with with something like an open world experience like this. But Colin, you had you played a dwarf character, right? I did, yeah. You start in a completely different spot. You start yeah. in like deep in the underground, fighting your way out from from something, and then your your second like I don't think you can go to those. You get I like you can't go to the dwarf city unless you start as a dwarf. It's like not. It's like it's it gives you some weird uh, text about like you need something to breathe here or, or something. It's just like a some <laughs> some like you, you're not allowed to be in this spot. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean that was my first character too. So I was like, oh, I just kind of assumed that everyone had like a cool weird underground plot related mission start. And then like my second characters were the like most vanilla human. Uh, John John Deere the summoner summoning all of his his dear friends um and he, the, the human or halfling start is just like you're in the woods no plot nothing really just like go, go fight some stuff time to um, go on an adventure at the end yeah yeah you go you're inspired it says you're inspired by like the tales of old and like glory and gold and all that stuff to go out to the wilds and find some of that adventure for yourself and if you're yeah if you're a human or a halfling i believe yeah you go into the forest and your first quest is to, to find and defeat a troll which the, the exact troll that you fight is is randomized sometimes you will fight bill uh the stone troll or you will fight one of his friends whose name i forget and <laughs> uh that's I, I appreciated that there was a little bit of variety, but I will agree that that uh, is not a super exciting start. Furthermore, navigating through the first two levels of that, the, the pardon me, the first two sections, screens of that forest and having to replay it, which you will be doing because it is a roguelike with permadeath, neat permadeath mechanics. We'll get to that, I'm sure. But you are rolling, re-rolling a lot, at least in my situation <laughs> and you're having to replay this godforsaken <laughs> horrible to navigate um screen because it's not it's not, you have eight directions of movement it's, it's grid-based movement of course eight directions and the need to move diagonal and press w and d at the same time or w and a or what have you to both move in between like trees that are set out on a grid moving diagonally and attacking diagonally is a nightmare basically andrew people people are screaming in their cars right now saying you're supposed to be using the keypad to move what are you doing oh interesting my keyboard doesn't yes but isn't keypad. rest isn't weight set to number five on the keypad by default so... yeah because you're moving you're moving like down oh, on your my position lord but in colin's case this is one thing that always kind of bugs me is like um well then, why did they bother? Why did they bother? <laughs> well, mapping WASD. Of course, I'm playing a PC game. My whatever. All right. Yes, right. Well, I, I wasn't so, in the right traditional roguelike well, space. Well, everyone knows the only uh, the only key you need is Z. Auto explore. That's cor that's correct. Answer. I was about to get to that. Auto explore. Incredible. <laughs> Let's have auto explore in every game. Is what I'm saying. It would have definitely helped me when I was playing some old like fan made ASCII graphics roguelikes. Great stuff. Auto explore just takes you to the next point of interest. Your character doo -doo 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 -doo, runs around the grid and you stop on loot or monsters. And then you, you don't can even stop on loot. He just picks it up and just keeps running. He's, he picks it up. I don't uh, know if I had the auto pickup set up. Transmogrification chest. I was supposed to be using the numpad. I was supposed to be using my Wait, Andrew, separate did you ever get the USB. Chest? 
I think you start with that, don't you? Oh, I, yeah. I got it. I never okay. used it. I was like, I don't understand what this does. I can store stuff in it, but I need to also save stuff out of it. I don't. It just auto sells everything for you. Oh, okay. How do I? That's neat. That's cool. That's handy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like torchlight. Well, or it's like well, your at the end of uh, stuff out cool. at the end of every uh, stage. So each each dungeon that you go in typically has like about three ish levels or stages to it. And at the end of each one of these levels, you go up and down a, a stair, or you go to the next part of the forest or something. And the loot that you've picked up, your transmog chest will pop up saying, "All right, this is the stuff that you picked up. It's highlighted." What what do you want to keep? Uh, and 99% of it is junk, and you're just like, yeah, just auto-sell it, which solves maybe one of the biggest gripes I have about uh, Diablo and other action RPG games is like, yeah, I picked up all this loot. Ugh, I got to teleport back to town. I got to go find the vendor. I got to go like sell all the stuff to the vendor. Okay, now go I've got find, my gold. Uh, yeah. Now I got to go back to the battlefield. And then it just like, bam, it just streamlines that process like it or it shortcuts it. Per well, Maybe not perfectly, but I like the idea of that a whole lot. That is neat, and uh, I've seen experimented with, and uh, good, good on you. There are definitely good design ideas here. I think mm -hmm. the, the designers are very talented, and I think this is a is certainly an achievement of game design. It's not necessarily my cup of tea. Uh, basically uh interesting numpad i was supposed to be using numpad uh, it reminds me a lot that, of like uh, that um, would have solved a lot of my problems there's a lot of like traditional roguelikes that go out of their way to not use the mouse for some godforsaken reason because it, it's like the classic meme of like back-end coding developers creating a website and it's this spartan mess of just like awful ui decisions and like, that's kind of what you roll the dice with with a lot of traditional roguelike games is stuff like that. It's very much you could tell a programmer made the thing. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, like, if you're if you're playing the um, original Quake, and you know how, like, the original Quake had, like, the uh, directional button movement instead of, like, mouse mouse movement and WASD? Like, right, oh, right, sure. by the way, there's this whole other peripheral that people use now. Um, but I will say that, like, Tome plays very well with a mouse. Like, you could play the whole game with just a mouse, and it's a very welcome design experience compared could, to You could, but it's so slow. I mean, I appreciate that they included the mouse interface. I think in terms of controls, it's great that they gave you all the different options, including mm -hmm. digging through the you know closet and getting my USB numpad attachment. No, that's not true. <laughs> I have a full-length keyboard, so I, I should have I should have realized. I guess the tutorial even says, "Hey, you know, use the use the keypad." It says, "But if you're someone like Colin who builds their own keyboard, keypad in the I oh, honestly had no pattern. trouble anyway. clicking both W and D at the well, same time." Well, I'm glad I <laughs> I just I found it to be kind of tedious to have to do that motion over and over again. So that's why uh, I was happy that the the auto explore option yeah, was there, I mean, so I could just spam be, that. Yeah, auto explore is truly a. I mean, I feel like it does. It takes away something of, from the game very slightly, but it gives back so much more in the like lack of friction to 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 go through things. Certainly, uh, certainly, it's not as if I, I think the way that generally most people are going to play it, or at least the way I played it, is that you use the auto explorer when it behooves you, and then you you know it, 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 move around normally. Yeah, with WASD or whatever. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> whatever you have available that, to you. I imagine too that there are certain character classes that it is better or worse for depending on how you interact with ranged enemies so mm -hmm. like yeah. if you're the kind if you're a glass cannon 
that's going to get sniped by something and you need to be like carefully going around corners or whatever it might be different than when i was playing uh odom the the dwarf berserker and my goal was, it was like i don't care that something sees me i'm going to rush towards it and then deal with it by just smashing it into bits like yeah i don't like i don't need subtlety here auto explorer is my <laughs> best friend there is the the feature of track which is uh interesting i think it um it's possible that at higher levels um you have to just basically sit there until the the, the skill refreshes and take dungeons and, and areas very slowly and just hit the track button which basically lets you uh, see where all the enemies are around you for a period of time and so like in a certain radius and so if you know that like oh there's a bunch of if i was to approach this from this angle via like auto explore i would be running into like three elites at once but if i come from this angle i can like lure one away from the rest of them and so that's kind of the advantage i think of taking it slow and not using auto explore of course i as an archmage with a shield um which was extremely overpowered by the like by <laughs> mid game and especially through the end no, you just hit Z and then you don't even, you don't have to move at all. You just walk into a room, you stare at them and you shoot lightning bolts at everything and then they all die. And if they run up to you and start smashing your shield, you're just like, what? What? I got 6,000 more HP on this shield. You want to keep bashing it? All right, that's fine. Unlimited <laughs> power. So I'm, I'm uh, curious, like yeah. when, when I knew that uh, this, that this game was almost doomed, uh, for for will to be playing because i knew he was gonna he was gonna open it up for five minutes and say this game looks like shit I, I hate how it plays and then just like close it after playing it for 20 minutes so i considered it a moral victory in that he played it for longer than 20 minutes i should have done that <laughs> <laughs> but but you but there was something here that kept you engaged and interested to actually like i haven't beaten this game i haven't even beaten uh uh dreadfell power yet which i guess is what kind of like the midpoint like i'm curious what what kind of like kept you motivated to either like were you were you always re-rolling the same character of like okay i got i now i know how to do that better or did you try something different every time i, I think i had like five characters overall and um five character remember. archetypes or like five like just five runs. characters in total yeah five runs in total and um i did the, the ranger twice um i did some kind of warrior starting out i think uh, no i did the you, um, were do you were doing it mostly on the mode that wasn't like true true roguelike where you you had like playing with there, lives so there's uh, we, you we get like play. five there's, lives yeah right. there's the there's there's more than one game mode there's there's like a couple difficulties and then there's the true roguelike iron man permadeath etc and then there's one that's like a kind of a soft soft permadeath where you start off with one life, but then you gain lives at certain level milestones, um, which I think is probably a better way to play starting off. Because I I played it, I played the, the the true Iron Man mode once, and then died in a way that I was like really frustrated by. It was like, oh, I I made a mistake in how I thought an item worked, and then I accidentally clicked and I moved instead of doing anything for my turn and died. It was like. Oh, that felt super bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but did you? Uh, at that point, you had invested like how many hours into that character? Like five. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, Will. You were. Yeah. The uh, the permadeath. You were doing, you, I'm you at the normal, screen here. Normal mode, right? With the the, the multi lives. Yeah. The the, the default adventurer setting. mode. I think uh, I used um in total um on the the run that I won, I used five lives. I think. I was down to my last life, and then eventually I got the some item that gives you a, a, another life that I didn't end up using. But it was um, 
I definitely made a bunch of dumb mistakes um, as I went through and, and um, I can see why, yeah, like having those extra lives when you're learning that like, oh yeah, when yeah. you have an item in your hot bar and you <laughs> replace that item on your kit, you still have that item on the hot bar. And when you click it and you're expecting to use it, oh, it turns out you're going to use a full turn to switch your gear and you're going to get absolutely smashed. If that was like, oh yeah, this is my last ditch shield that's from this like shield trinket. Nope. Turns out you're dead instead. <laughs> I, I, that's Yikes. that's the kind of thing that, um you know, that's just a bad UI decision, I think, because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's assuming you can uh, find that part of the action bar anywhere on your screen, uh, depending on what resolution you're set to. But we'll get to the <laughs> UI in a moment. Uh, your question, Scott, we, I, I don't know if we've gotten a, a specific answer just yet, or I wasn't paying attention because I was opening and looking at the game's new game options. Will, what kept you coming back for 60 hours? Was it just raw determination to conquer this this challenge? Um. I think it's just I didn't have anything better to do. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I have a bunch of games that are better, but they're like better for like the, a certain context, which is like to say, Slay the Spire, because I have to mention that every episode, you know, that's my, it. as I'm going to bed, you know, I'll, 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 you know, play around essentially. And it's like, great, but like, it's not something I'm going to play like um, for a long period of time. And this has still had some novelty value in it, I think, of like, ooh, what's going to happen next? And oh my God, that I died to that stupid... Um, uh, the master vampire in Dreadfell, you know, that kind of big, big midway point. I'm like, oh, I really want to beat him. And so that's something about that got me to grind through and just deal with the suck of getting to him again. <laughs> um, but I probably in, in, in hindsight, I probably should just picked up a different game or just done something productive with my life. You know, that would have been probably a good decision. So no, here's, here's a question. Qu yes. Here's a question for the group. Um, is this game... Is this game better for someone who is just coming into this game for the first time? Is this game better to play on the easiest possible difficulty with no permadeath? Like like unlimited lives, easiest possible mode. Is that a better experience, do we think? I think you're referring to the exploration mode. I think regular difficulty is fine, but yeah. playing with multiple lives is definitely something I would advise for a new player to coming in. What about like, infinite lives? No, that's bad. <laughs> Because one thing, one thing that like befuddles me about uh, Tome in particular is its length, and I think there's there's an interesting kind of bifurcation that's happening between these uh, more RPG end of the spectrum traditional roguelike games where you're investing hours and hours and hours into this character, this build, and this run that you have going. Um, and you could you could die in any second from this enemy that'll just warp in from the beyond the screen and bam, you're dead. Uh, versus the other option of something that I think kind of fits the the mold for your permadeath grid-based uh old school roguelikes better, coffee break roguelikes. And these are games that are designed to be played basically end to end in 30 minutes to an hour instead of like one run taking six to 10 hours, we'll say. Uh, and very much like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, there's, I guess also the, the question of meta progression and unlocks. But anyway, uh, like is, is, is this idea of RPG long-term investment in a character that can be permakilled antithetical to that? Like, are, are these, are these two different genres that are clashing together? Yes, absolutely. That's the answer. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, roguelikes should be uh, at most 
two hours. I think mm-hmm. that, and this is something that it didn't, it didn't surprise me. You said this is an old game. Cause that's something that's been learned in the past decade is that you make a Hades style game. You make it, there's a, a tight window of just like, all right, it's an hour. It's 40 minutes. Ideally 40 minutes to an hour is like the run this 20 hours thing where you're getting wiped in some bullshit thing is, uh, Oh my God. That's a, uh, that's a pain. That's <laughs> I a think pain. I would disagree on the exact amount of time i think that you could push it to like two hours three hours without it being like truly hurting the experience but i do agree with it on on like the 20 hours like when you get that far into the game and you lose it does be like the further you get in the worse it feels the more invested Um, you are yeah it's kind of like so i'm gonna bring bring like uh will will brings in slate spire i'll bring in dd like if if you're a level three character in dd and your character dies you're like, oh, that's fun. I'll put a new, I'll make a new character now. If you're level 19 character that you've been playing in your campaign for two years, three years, dies in like a stupid way, like, ooh, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, the, the that... amount of time you invest in something like definitely changes the vibe of how you experience that death. I tend uh, to agree, Colin. However, there's there's also another distinction. There, the, in in that way, that's a good example, and and sort of the experience is similar. But there's there's also, I think, a, an interesting difference that is useful to to look at, which is when you have a Dungeons and Dragons character die, or an R, you know, a tabletop RPG character of any kind die. Um, I think what makes it not a totally awful experience. I mean, it can be, of course, a you know, a very rough experience. But uh, what the saving grace is that you are going to get the opportunity to make a new tabletop role-playing game character, and you're going to immediately jump into a gaming experience mm-hmm. with brand new, 100% whole cloth original content. Whereas with a roguelike mm-hmm. game, you are going to have to probably replay some content yeah. and re-experience it. And that grind to get back to where you were in video games is, can be very tough. And it's, it's not as tough. That, that issue is mitigated by roguelikes that do a really good job of randomizing things so that every experience, even early game, is like new and novel. Or in games like like you mentioned, Will, uh, that ha- are specifically designed from the ground up to have a quick and like tight game cycle that's like short and set and, 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 and good. Um, yeah, and the part of my personal um, tome frustration uh, in my gameplay experience was that grind to get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. So my level, my character, I'm, I'm double checking my screen. So it looks like I got to level eight. When I lost that character at level eight, I was pretty, dis- I, I was pretty bummed out, especially since it was a feel bad death kind of a moment where it's like, I thought the game worked a certain way and I apparently misunderstood. And yeah, I feel like you really it was only like been, a couple hours in, but you it was like, have been oh no, on permadeath mode. We 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 did a bad job of letting you do that. Well, I, w- <laughs> I was doing the the adventurer mode where you have the 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 set, you know, you have a certain limit and you gain more. Mm-hmm. As far as oh. I can tell, that's the default. Um, yeah. And I think that system is interesting and good. As to the subject of like, as to the subject of permadeath games or near permadeath games that are really long. Uh, so the you know the the opposite of Hades, um, <laughs> I think that there's something to be said for that long form gameplay experience and having the drama and the tension of knowing I'm only going to get one shot. 
You know, mm. it's only got one life. There's something to be said for that experience. And some games capture it and it's really amazing. Um, but it is tricky and designers have to be careful. And I, I, and I think that the, this game was probably designed the way it was again, because of the age, as we've discussed, yeah. I have a proposed solution for this game specifically at those markers, those milestones where you get to get an extra life, maybe add a checkpoint, a save hmm. game. Um, maybe not that is exact those exact milestones, but have some kind of milestone save game. I think it would be a great mod. Somebody should maybe add that. <laughs> I mean, uh, there probably is a mod for that. Uh, probably. But probably yeah, quick save like, mod. <laughs> does that take away from the tension then? Like, I think the like the kickback. I think to a it, it depends save, on the player. Yeah. Yeah, like the the kickback to a previous save still has that like gut wrenching feeling of like, oh man, I lost like that much progress. Uh, do I really want to start over again versus like, okay, now I know what I did wrong for like the past 10 hours. Great. I can go back. I have the safety net. Like it's, it's probably something that varies between different people. So the, the, uh, character history that I have in this game, uh, Colin, I also started off, uh, with Odom, the, uh, the lightning dwarf bulwark. Uh, very good. And then I, I cribbed your your current D and D character, Lards Gibbon, the cursed halfling. Which I think I shot myself in the foot on that one because I believe very in this big game, hairy feet that were shot. And because uh, in tome, I believe halflings rely a lot on the luck stat, and the cursed class deliberately gives you a penalty to that. So I think oh. I was basically playing with one hand behind my my uh what, one my hop foot, torso. if you will <laughs> uh and then after that i played anakin skywalker the cursed hired uh cornac human and i didn't realize at the time i was using like a two-handed sword and i had basically no defense and i kept wondering why am i dying all the time uh and then eventually i lost all of my lives and i died picking up a one or a, a pretty decent shield but too little too late and i was i have i currently do have the option to save scum it back like 10 levels but I'm not going to because I'm like, well, it's permadeath and I have like there's so much other stuff to explore in this game. Like I don't really need like the draw for me is not so much like, oh, I have to go and like and beat the final boss to be like done with it. It's more of like understanding the different classes and systems and things and seeing what like interesting puzzles that I have to solve as a result of that. So the next the next run after that was a human oozmancer named Ivan Ooze. Uh, and I played that one on the easiest possible difficulty with no permadeath. And it, it like that character class is fun, but that tension that was lacking of like, well, like I can just play as sloppy as I want because there's no permadeath. There's no consequences to me screwing up here. Um, and so after that, I started playing uh, TikTok, the uh, the human chronomancer. And whoa, Nelly is the craziness level turned up to 11. Uh, I think... If if these classes were unlocked earlier, so you could see like, whoa, like this is like something you never see in a game that like you are literally creating like a, it's like save scum as a video game mechanic where you are going into a quote unquote parallel timeline, uh, you are killing an enemy there, and then you're coming back to your original timeline and deleting them out of existence from the game. It's a, it's like I don't know if I'm describing that right, but cool. your raised eyebrows are. Like I did not get to this part of the game. Yeah, like this is a thing that I'm like, this stuff needs to be not quite front and center, but like you maybe have like two two of your bog standard fantasy classes and then something weird, like like the Oozmancer or the Chronomancer, because they're so they're so different 
And like, I'm wrapping my head around like any one of these new mechanics that comes out. I'm like, what does this even mean? Cause like other games like this, where you are like, okay, I'm going to pick the Minotaur class and I'm like, all right, I've got a two-handed ax and I'm walking on these grids and I'm bumping into stuff. Great. I've seen this a hundred times before. Like, I'm not traveling through time in those games. This it's like it's turning my brain inside out. I'm like this is like it's it's so interesting and different that this is what draws me to to try to like okay, that character died. Great. I want to try uh this class of of halfling weird-looking yeti people that have been tortured by uh or no, they were tortured by the halflings and kept as slaves for experimentation. I want to try him with a mage class. Let's go. Let's see what happens. Um, and to Andrew, I think your point about like, oh, it's the same grind all over again. A missed opportunity, I think, here is that instead of grinding the same zones that you go through over and over again, if it was a different selection of zones every run, like, oh, in this in this run, Absolutely. I don't have the option to go to the Trollmire because the spell blaze has blown it up and that's not even an option in this run. Um because sure, I mean, sure. like this, this game I think is is also specifically designed against anti grinding, which is something you see in these older traditional roguelikes a lot. Is like um, potions. There's no potions. Enemies don't respawn, so enemies themselves are almost kind of a conserved resource. Uh, and yeah, like there's there's just there's so much experimentation to go on. Um, Will, I do want to ask you. We we had our good buddy uh, Davian right into the program. Hello. Uh, and he wanted to get uh, your input because you had mentioned last time about seven days to die and those points of interest. And in this game in Tome, when you're exploring a dungeon, there's maybe a similar idea with vaults where you come to a, do a door that says you've come across a sealed door. Are you sure you want to open that? Uh, and maybe to summarize Davian's email, um, where do you see like that kind of importance here? And like as some as the only person here who has beaten the game, so you are our de facto expert. Uh, open the vault or don't open the vault. Well, you you open the vault until you get to level fifty, and you just want to beat the fucking game, and then you try and <laughs> find the exit to get to the next floor as fast as possible, and then ignore everything else. That was kind of my strategy. So mm. it was it was interesting and useful early on, but there's just so many like. I got. I was. I was over it. I. Was, I didn't want to fight another elite. I just wanted because that's when I, if I fight another elite, what that means I have to do is I have to hit like five more hotkeys. And so regular dudes, you just run in there and just you know you know one hotkey, two hotkeys, three. But there's more prep required for like anything that would be in, in one of these uh, tome rooms. And um, yeah, I don't think the tomes are anything to like POIs if you're, though. Your summoner, you have to pre-summon things for those. Make sure that all your good summons are out, so you can like open the door and then get yourself away well i mean i went with that the, the, the lightning arch archmage was yeah. nothing like that it, there was no you, you basically the only question was how much shield do i need and if i need more shield then in the beginning you have to like activate several shields and then suddenly you walk in like i said with like six seven thousand of shield which um i know by by the Is end of the a game, real number like... <laughs> it's 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 it basically means that like nothing can touch you um i don't i never had that shield broken essentially by the end game well so, am i to understand that you were playing the uh spellcaster equivalent of the enterprise the uss enterprise I, I mean, yeah i was like shield i oh i felt like saying shields up every time like you know <laughs> it just like it it it, it um they're targeting us with 
lasers. Um, so that is, yeah, I think, uh, obviously, I mean, you didn't ask me the question, but um, there's a lot of these games, a lot of rogue, modern roguelikes, or even, you know, older roguelikes, uh, their form of randomization is not 100%, you know, procedural. Uh, it is a collection, a library of modules, Mm-hmm. pre you know prefabricated rooms and areas that are then shuffled and like put together like in enter the gungeon is, is a great example um crypt of the necrodancer is a great example or even our past episode uh, nightmare reaper nightmare reaper of course yes 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 and that is a pretty great solution and it sounds like tome does something kind of similar in having this library of vault modules um and you get, you know, the best of both worlds in that you get randomization and so a unique experience and path for the player to explore. But you also get finely tuned, meaningfully and deliberately designed sections that a designer has gone in and tweaked and refined and made into an enjoyable experience. So you get you get the uh, yeah, you get the randomness, but you also get the um, crafted experience. I'm not I mean, sure I'm... that's exactly what the vaults were. Yeah, but I wish they were. <laughs> well, I said they did that a little bit. <laughs> I guess yeah. was my, my well. The vaults, the vaults uh, are they're you sure single you rooms, right? Yeah, like they're basically single rooms. They have some pretty like decently tiered loot in there. You open it up, and it is a monster factory of. If if you were in that dungeon at that specific level, you open it up. There's guys in there, maybe like. Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely like four or five levels these, higher than you. Uh, yeah. But I, I just, uh, I thought perhaps maybe later in the game they are larger than just like a single room. There, I think there are some that are larger because I do yeah, remember they're... in my previous playthrough encounter, like encountering something like like this. I'm like, yeah, of course I want to open this thing, and then it being kind of like a long, a long hallway, and then like some branching segments off of it. Be like, oh, okay, and then just getting like surrounded by like a uh, two tile tall ice giants who are just hurtling boulders at me until I die. Yeah, but the tutorial told you not to get surrounded. Oh, you right. said that. Uh, that's a classic shame. That's mistake. a shame. Classic, classic. Um, it's true. It's true. Uh, say, I, I have a... Um, with regards to the controls, I just, I just wanted to mention that uh, I do... Again, I, I, I can conceptualize of this idea of like really getting into the game and having your key bindings down and having both hands on the keyboard and just going away, mm-hmm. doing this gameplay loop. You've got, you know, your build in mind. You know what to do. You know, you've memorized all the buttons. I started to get that feeling with my level eight character. Like in, I was using the mouse and keyboard, but like, you know, I knew the exact combination. I had my rotation down on the, on the action bar. Um, and that rhythm was getting to feel quite nice around mm-hmm. the time I got killed. Um, <laughs> so like, again, I can, I can understand and logically, I can logically process how this game is, is fun once you get into it and for certain types of players. Yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this game. Uh, uh, maybe I should re-edit this part to, to the start of the podcast, but uh, let's see, we, we talked about like, there's, there's a bunch of classes. There's like 12 overarching themes of, of character classes there's 37 of them in total, plus DLCs. Uh, you have 16 different races. There's, uh, from your Diablo-style skills that you can pick from, there are 1,505 unique versions of those. Wow. Uh, so there's there's quite a lot. Uh, there's all sorts of, like, 
weird resources also so instead of like your standard action rpg of like you have your your life bar on the right and your mana bar on the left and have fun being held up by a devil and angel respectively yeah exactly uh my my anakin skywalker uh cursed human i had i had to uh keep my hate meter filled at all times in order to get the Anakin on brand hate meter combo matic is <laughs> you great. had to keep the the hate high and the high Let ground the low through you. Yeah, and th- this is interesting because it creates this um, decision element against auto explore. Because when you're walking around and you're not killing all of uh, the women and children, I killed them all. Uh, you're losing hate, and this is very important for Anakin. He must be hateful at all times. So. Whenever you kill an enemy, you get more hate. And whenever you're walking around, you're losing hate. And if you're at maximum hate, you get a bunch of these great bonuses associated with it. So I was walking around thinking like, okay, I can't auto explore. But I know that this stage that I'm in, the boss at this stage is always at the bottom of the screen or like this dungeon. And so I basically beeline to like either follow like the critical path of the level to get down there. And just making sure I was like constantly bashing monsters the whole time to keep my hate meter up. Get to the boss. Aha! I've got you now. And then just hate sliced them in half, no problem. Um, there's other, and I, I think I briefly talked about it, but like the uh, the the Chronomancer class. Uh, if Tenet was a video game, like you have it, <laughs> one of the one of the subclasses, you have a resource called Paradox. And I so writers write into the podcast when I'm getting this wrong. But I believe it works this way, where you basically set like your your level caps to how much paradox power you have, and you can define like how how powerful do you want to be. And the risk reward here is that the more spells you use, the more your paradox meter increases. And if it goes beyond a certain threshold for your level, you can't control paradox anymore. And so you start like I want to click this button to use this spell. Well, you've like created a problem in the space time continuum if you teleported like five spaces to the right. And uh like, okay, well, I would like to put my shield up. Oh, you've created a rift in the space time continuum and you've summoned in like five uh allied uh dwarves to your side from a parallel dimension who are very like the description is like they are very confused as to where they are right now. <laughs> uh and so stuff like that is is like very uh there there's another race I haven't tested out yet, uh, that has like you're supposed to be like constantly balancing out like light and dark magic constantly. And like, these are all super creative things that, that you don't see in other like boring fantasy grid based ASCII art, uh, grid bumpers, uh, as they are like, it's, it's so creative and interesting that like, that's, that's the draw for me here is like all this, all this stuff, but also how unique and, uh, different it is. I think that's great. I, I I I agree with you on that. I think they have a lot of interesting classes, and I noticed that just in playing the the several that I did, that there was definitely a different feel to each of them, and it was interesting to try and discover it. And I'm sure there's within each class, there's probably many different ways of choosing talents to even like you know bring out certain aspects of it. Um, so I think that's all that's all makes sense. If if only the game was like like if if it was uh if the eastern island didn't exist if it was just mm. that ended in dreadfill then we're talking about like you know maybe like well, it's like eight to ten hours i think actually maybe it down to five at the like then you're you get an interesting playthrough by the time you get to 25 anyways or so you like your your build's basically complete and so just like yeah just cut the game in half less is more here i think um and and then you could explore all these more interesting 
aspects of the game, which is like all the different types of characters. And um, yeah, because if, if it's 20 hours to beat it and you have how many different characters and you want me to play through all the characters, <laughs> it's just what do you, what, I guess that's why the average time is 100 and how many hours? 129 is what, uh, what was my what was my careful lawyering yeah, of the phrase? Uh, yeah like your average your average player this game has 128.92 hours in it yeah but you're you're what kind of is that's that the, actually the best part that's the that's the median the the 90th the 90th percentile 90th percentile of people who play this game have 1088 hours in it okay yeah i mean i could absolutely see a a slightly different version of will that just is like instead of playing slay the spire on his monitor with tng and the the other monitor while he's going to bed he could just be playing this and he gets mm -hmm. you know an hour a night in <laughs> for three years in a row um can we talk about the music i kind of like the music in this game <laughs> am, am i am wrong. i the outlier here incorrect it's upsettingly bad what no it's really really repetitive and also the sound effects are in villages are weird and there's a little dog that barks in the background and a glass incredibly incredibly <laughs> Annoying. Let's not forget the hawk. Oh, the that, hawk. That yeah. hawk. Oh man, that hawk sent me. It's like, folks, we get the sprite coming in. It's moving at the wrong angle. Like it doesn't even make sense. And, and it has a little shadow being cast on the ground. It's really cute. And then, <laughs> and oh boy, I was immersed. Let me tell you, it was actually in there. I, I just heard the sound effect. I didn't actually. Oh, see it's it. there. Oh, I saw it twice. It was awesome. Yeah. And both times, no, I was reminded of there was a Counter Strike one point six level that was like it i think it was a custom map but it looked it was very professionally done and there was a section where it was like a grand canyon type of a layout and above the canyon you could see a bird flying around and the bird was just a, <laughs> a texture that was just sort of floating around on a preset track and it reminded me of that and i was oh so delighted and then i uh got distracted from the game for like a half hour and went and played counter-strike 1.6 which was a delight and then I had to go back About to the this. same level. Of, uh, um, no, uh, sorry. I, that just speaks to my personal, you know, uh, personal taste I think, in video like, games. The, the point about the music being repetitive the music is, is... Is, is true. Because when I was going, uh, going and trying to find music selections to play this episode out with, I'm like, you know, I think I had a pretty good time with the music. And then I found uh, the soundtrack posted up on YouTube. And yeah, they're all like, like a minute long. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. yeah, like. I don't, actually, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I won't say that the music is bad, but it it it, it plays. They're short and they're they loop really, yeah, quickly. Which wouldn't be a problem if uh if you weren't spending more than like five minutes in like a whole dungeon. But you could you could probably spend like a half hour in each dungeon if you're like making sure to be very tactical and thoughtful about your play. And then yeah, like if it's the same. Well, I'm spending five minutes comparing items, trying to use the very, very bad item comparison thing, and it's playing in the background, and I'm getting frustrated because I'm frustrated at comparing the items because they, I just want them to the side by side, and then the the music is just repeating in the background, and it's it's, mm. and then that dog is barking because we're in like some weird city, and it's just in the background, <laughs> it's but it's so quiet that you're like, it took me it took me a second, like to realize that it was part of the game. I thought there was just a dog barking in my apartment because it's just like this soft, <laughs> weird, like muffled dog bark sound in the background of the one like elf village or something. So you're saying you were totally immersed in this game is what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Correct. Full immersion. Like well, I, may have, I may have well been wearing the, uh, the Apple VR headset in the world of Majao. Would you be doing that with the uh, the old RPG tile set or the standard graphics? 
I, I mean, I only played with whatever the game came with. I didn't find the graphics to be that bad. All like, right, so folks, uh, I'd like to start. Uh, this is a wonderful topic to to bring up. Uh, but first, real quick, hey, you know, they didn't have a whole dang sound department working on this thing. You know, we should maybe cut them some slack. That being said, uh, yeah, the music is. I'm on the will team. I don't care if you're a single person developer. Oh, here comes the cock. Uh, whoa, I misspoke. <laughs> oh, <hello. laughs> Family show here. here comes the hawk this podcast right is rated E for educational. <laughs> Sometimes a hawk is just a hawk, but in this case, it's a cock hawk. All right, folks, I have a screenshot. It's coming at you of this beautiful, this beautiful piece of artwork, which is is relatively charming. There are a few pieces of art that are kind of charming. Generally, I like the the menus and the UI kind of like like well enough. I would say. Um, yeah, I would say like the the art. Like the, the all right um, on the Discord, check that out. Oh, oh, I see it's a screenshot of the hawk. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm, I have the game open right now, and I just got Don't so excited that I was going to be able to capture that it for y'all. Building is absolutely hideous. Do you see that building, by the Boy. way? <laughs> I'm just it's in the screen that like, you just reminded me like that was like upsettingly bad to see buildings like with that design. See, I you know, I don't care, I don't care at all. Yeah, like it does, it gets the point across. like it, this just feels like it's it's theater of the mind in many ways. Like, I, I, I'm not... A, I'm a mind like about... that of the main character from Nightmare Reaper, our last game. An adult <laughs> yeah. uh, person like, in need of assistance uh, in crisis. No, um, sorry, please continue. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at imagining things. Like, I read books. The, the graphics Whoa, of books are really bad. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Like these are better graphics than a book. I don't think that they are better graphics than the human mind, the most sophisticated and impressive computer in existence. Andrew, that's why you played on ASCII mode exclusively, right? This, is there an ASCII this mode? Reminds me there of is, like yeah. Being, like our childhood, like you're looking at the graphics and you're like, okay, this is not the thing that's happening. This is a representation of things, and my mind is filling in the actual action that's occurring. I think that we are discussing a pretty subjective thing. Yeah. But <laughs> I think there's a one could it would not be outrageous to say this game is objectively ugly. Um, <laughs> okay, I yeah. think something that softened my opinion on it a bit was when I discovered that it was officially launched in, in 2012. And so I was like, all right, well, let me put myself on a 2012 mindset. I'm like, I guess 20, I 2010 even. I wouldn't have thrown up immediately upon seeing this. Like if it was on like a bubbly like CRT screen. I don't know why you'd have a CRT screen, I mean, but like an old timey low res. I mean, what, what was the average monitor like? Screens by then. I guess that's true. I had a, a twenty, like a, a, I had a twenty-four inch monitor by that like, time, that but I don't think the resolution term. was especially high. Anyway, I, I I gave it a little bit more, folks. Listen, folks at home. The bottom line, the bottom. Ultimately, I think the issue with this game for me visually is that it is a very sort of like incoherent and uh, <laughs> a, a, a graphic style that lacks cohesion. No, no, no. It has lots of cohesion. This is every single sprite, every single property of this entire game could fit into a fourteen-year-old's fantasy art portfolio. I mean, <laughs> we're talking amateur grade. Like it all fits into that sort of like uh, level, right? I I I think I agree, but maybe not quite. Like, it's th this is the the art style here is that Italian uh, Jesus repainting failure <laughs> that happened, where like it is it is 
it is bad, but, but, but it has heart. It is heart bad, not boring bad. And an example of boring bad is the Steam release of uh, Ancient Domains of Mystery that I linked to, where, mm, yes. like, the art there, like, is functional. It's clear. You can see what's happening. That's fine. But all the characters look like, you know, uh, chibi, like, mobile like mobile art with, like, the, the cartoonishly, like, big head and smaller bodies. And, like, it's just, like, like boring bad art to me, like, that is worse than, like, bad bad art, which is what we have here. Because this, okay. like, the art here, I think is, like, is bad, but it's, like, it's entertainingly bad. I feel like it's it's not focused on being good, which is fine. It's 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 placeholder for use your imagination to imagine a mm-hmm. vibrant magical world that is happening in the text and the descriptions of how things are. That happening. feels like an extra like hurdle almost for the player. <laughs> like you need to overcome these these visuals to mm-hmm. to, to I mean, force you your like brain it? into okay, making something. A, this is a traditional roguelike. Sure. Would you I, like it better if it were ASCII art? No. Maybe. I, like I legitimately like, am not sure. Let's assume sure. that there's some way to make it so that, like, my, my criticism of ASCII is generally, it's hard for me to grok what is happening. I can't Great look point. at it and, like, quickly know where things are or what things are. If like, is this lowercase m a mine or is it a minotaur? Right, exactly. If, if you could figure that out quickly, but other than that, it was representational would that make this better or worse better i would better than ascii to cogmind no no better than better than the current graphics i i would say cogmind is a good example of having extremely simplistic art but it is presented in a stylized and engaging way yeah um but it's yeah it's a great question straight up ascii probably not but if it was some kind of really rudimentary graphics that were clear and, and and representational as you said i think that'd be great i but i also kind of agree or, i don't know i i'm torn <laughs> on this uh i think the i think the, I, I think I, the I art reacted when i first opened it i think and the art is, yeah mm-hmm. like rightfully is going to push a lot of people away when they come to the steam trailer page and being like whoa this is not for me uh and i think if there was an a a mod pack or something that just took like the art as or like the base tiles as they were and just ai upscaled them using some theme or something like greg rotowski chronomancer what have you (laughs) uh then like that i think is is something that could be more palatable to the general gaming audience obviously if someone is google searching for tales of montreal they're probably not in the same category of people who are you know have their only other experience is binding of isaac or slay the spire or something uh great point great point and i I think at the end of the day it's fun to kind of goof on this artwork (laughs) um especially uh especially some of the animals (laughs) who boy uh i'm I'm copy pasting the fox for everyone's uh enjoyment here the fox was fine okay the fox was fine i'm pretty Uh, sure i felt like the fox was totally acceptable at the end of the day it was a fox you're totally right. You can look at the graphics and you understand what's going on. And that is arguably <laughs> the first, the most important. <laughs> look at that guy. Is he, is he, is he a living gorgeous. fox or is he roadkill? It does is have he those little tongue blepping out. That is, a, that is a taxidermied fox if I've ever uh, seen Now, on the, the other end of the spectrum, we've got, ooh, one of my favorite sprites, which is uh, the, the halfling, uh, what is this? The, the United right. Kingdom's halfling patrol. And we just have like 
three happy guys that look like sort of a colorized upscaled version of like the like Chad uh, beta meme but kind those of are almost equally bad. Those are all yeah, very much. Co- They're very bad, cohesive. but you're they cohesive. illustrate the point that Scott pointed out that this yeah. this ba- the art is maybe not technical. It doesn't it lacks technical excellence, but it certainly has heart. It's uh, like um, it's like, you know, those medieval uh, paintings that people did before <laughs> they like. It's like a cat with just like a human face on it because they didn't understand what a cat face was Indeed. like. It's like one step between that and like the bad Jesus like painting in that like, you know, the, like, again, if this game like took that turn of like, OK, well, the cohesive art style we're going to do is that like bad Bayou tapestry uh, comedic effect, then like, yeah, lean into that more like that could that could be interesting. But like there's so much stuff going on that, yeah, like I will say. Uh, the times that I've gotten to the the ice mountain volcano stage, uh, even with the default graphics, like the ice giants there, they just look like that. That looks like something legitimately terrifying. And they're like, Ooh. if I turned around a corner and I saw even just like that base tile art of like a two two tile stall, a uh, uh, tall ice giant throwing a boulder at me, legit. Mm-hmm. Like I've opened those doors, I've seen like the vaults filled with them. Legitimate nope. fear moment, and like. <laughs> the the base art for like some of the dragons i think like some like it's it's pretty good it's just inconsistent and it does not put its best foot forward at the beginning where like your your standard dwarf art your standard human art your standard elf art is bad and mm-hmm. like if if like casual gamers are going from like your your mid rogue light game with all like these like fancy graphics like coming from dead cells to this like of course people are going to like spoon their eyeballs out <laughs> which you probably could do in this game because you can target yourself with attacks and as we learned there are like a thousand uh different unique diablo style abilities i just want to say real quick uh yeah so taste in game art super subjective gonna vary from person to person what's an objective problem with this art is does not play well this game does not play well in my experience with like modern resolutions Mm -hmm. uh at modern resolution it's way too big i can't read anything also the graphics are way too tiny i found that if i set it to a really low resolution it up it sort of quote unquote upscaled or zoomed in the screen in such a way that like the sprites weren't horribly distorted but then my hotbar disappeared and like i i played for the first 30 minutes had an exact experience will that you had where it's like why does the hotbar start at you know the number zero where's one two three four five and that's oh that's because they those numbers exist <laughs> six inches off of my monitor at the I moment i didn't have any of these problems that you guys had it's just well half of us had no problem. problems it is it is kind of an interesting problem where like these games are so classically designed they're not really designed with like modern systems in mind to some extent i will say i will say to this game's defense it did play very well natively on the steam deck which you would think that like wow yeah like a a platform that you would think that like would not have anything to do with this style of game like you can't like playing cogmind on the steam deck may be possible with an upcoming update in the future we'll see i'll report back but like it played out of the box like very well and being able to install work uh, steam workshop mods very streamlined and intuitive and like i i played uh almost all of my 20 hours this past uh couple weeks like almost entirely on the steam deck and i think like it worked really well for that just vegging out on the couch turn it a time watching tv put on an episode of veep and then just like in between laughs like move your character around a little bit works perfectly wow that that is that is swell and um not unlike last spell i think this would be 
for the right player, a really great airplane game. I, I was just playing it on the airplane this morning as I was coming back to the ah! Seattle area. There you go. You put it in the airplane mode. Yeah, like it is. It works very well. And uh, do, the, you, uh, do you? Would you like a, a Pepsi or orange juice, sir? And you're like, ah, my paradox level. It's too high. Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> and then she splashes <laughs> you with time juice and you warp <laughs> onto the wing of the plane. <laughs> or where the wing of the plane will be by the time oh, you wow. fall down out of the sky. Holy moly. I got to get this mod that unlocks all the classes. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I just posted right. this this other image to the chat here. Did any of you get to the dating part of the game? The well, excuse night? me. What? Excuse me. <laughs> oh yeah, no. This is this is why I wanted to like extra add this extra like this is just like, oh my god, you could definitely tell it's the fourteen year old essentially <laughs> mindset who not only made the art but they're also <laughs> oh, like, wow. oh man, I want this game to have like uh, you know I want to be able to date someone in it. So they there's this like whole mission dedicated to. This like dating this this girl essentially, and uh, and there's like a kissing that you do, and oh, they no. have this beach scene, and I've dropped this image in the chat here, but this... like there's a woman in a bikini, like this little pixelized <laughs> bikini woman <laughs> that you're like protecting on the beach. And... Meanwhile, your character's in full armor. <laughs> I like the like, why? why is there a woman in a bikini? You can barely tell, really, because of the pixels, but like, oh my god. Well, I learned it, that as a goof, somebody. in uh, the character creation, you can customize your character's appearance, and you can pick a... Uh, well, actually, this speaks to an, an issue um, in the game. In the character creation, I realize it's an old game, so it wasn't really, you know, in vogue being done, but the fact that there's, uh, you know, in the character creation, only uh, binary options are disappointing. And by binary, I'm referring to the gender binary options, that there's only male and female, but also the binary of picking bikini or mankini. Those are two <laughs> options in the character customization. One's like the pink bikini that we're seeing on screen, and the other is uh, like a potato sack, basically. <laughs> um, but you can apparently, as a goof, they put those in there, you can play the whole game in a swimsuit. And if you beat the game in the swimsuit, you get like an extra achievement, which I'm sure uh, Will will be angling for uh, this coming two week period. And he'll talk about it on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is maybe the the risk you run with an open source uh, game is maybe I don't know if we can attribute this to the to the lead dev, but someone's got to approve it for those uh, those pull requests. So, yeah, I think like it's it's doubly hilarious because the art is so I did not realize there was a beach blanket bingo quest. <laughs> I kept running into the, you know, please escort me. I'm lost in the troll woods. Mm -hmm. um, but I did not encounter the the beach extravaganza surf party. That is most impressive. Uh, hey, I got a question for y'all. I have a proposal. My, my proposal for fixing the save system, not, not the best. But here's my proposal for fixing your mindset about this artwork. <clears throat> So I'd like to I'd like to uh, bring everyone's attention to the to the main menu uh, you know screen that we're I'm sure you're all familiar with. Um, you've got sort of in the middle, standing in this hallway in this dungeon, our adventurer. Uh, how how would you describe uh, the the class of this adventurer, Colin? You know you know who I'm talking about. Are you talking, are you talking about the, the static uh, static the, splash screen? The static you splash screen. Yeah, he's got a wizard hat on. He's like multi-classing it up. Looks pretty know. heroic. Looks I, th pretty cool. I think the art he for that like an adventurer. Yeah, I think the art for that is pretty cool because like it evokes mystery. Like you're going. I think like a. I think this is probably the best splash art for the game. It sets uh, the tone. I yeah. agree. I agree overall. But there's a few details that I think are a little bit wonky, and this will get to my my solution for the for the visuals. Uh, this guy. So he's got a sword. He's got a lantern. He's got some boots. He's wearing a, a for no really reason weird. really a, a witch's hat. 
in the foreground, we see some enemies, uh, a, a tiny little Jawa, a, a hooded yes, figure absolutely. with two knives and, and little red eyes, looks, looks like a little animatronic goofball, uh, a random snake for some reason in the foreground, a you mummy. encounter snakes, yeah. So, uh, are, basically, looking at this image, is there any reason for anybody looking at it to not believe that the setting of Tales of Magial is, in fact, a spirit Halloween? So if you think of the whole game existing in a spirit <laughs> Halloween verse, I think that that answers a lot of questions about the oddness in the visual style. That is all. Thank you. For that would explain all of the uh, the Anakin Skywalker costumes, the That's true. traveling and the uh, the bad Jesus painting uh, things that you run into. Indeed, indeed. So I'm I'm glad that, yes, there is, you know, artwork to be like, hey, you know, you're looking at an abstraction in the actual gameplay. But like, let's not forget this is. This is this is the the world. This is the reality of what's you know going on being represented. You know what? I I think I just identified what is wrong about all the art. Like just of all the people at it, anyways. It's just that uh, the arms are too short. They uh, if if you have your hand extended, it should extend to the middle of your um your thigh. And these people all are all just like they have their arms are just a little too short, and uh, it looks a bit odd. Could um, be, could be, and I'm sure this artist. As oh, just gotten you know, uh, leaps and bounds better than this, and I'm sure given an opportunity to do a um, a remaster, uh, it'd be swell. Or they don't um, care, and that's fine too. That's also fine, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, should we do some ranking, boys? Is it is it tome it's for tome. rankings? Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I've been call I've been calling yes. it all week the uh, the tomes of Taj Mahal. That's how I remember it. <laughs> Because I don't know something about Tomj Mahal. Yeah, Majayal. What the heck is that? That's the that's the the I think that's the planet that you're on, and Ayal is the continent. It's got the same letters as Middle Earth. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, it has, mm. yeah there, there's a there's a fun uh, factoid history about this game, like changing changing its branding at the last second to avoid uh, cease and desist letters from the Tolkien estate. But yeah. Mm. I think I think it's done better by branching out its own thing because I don't think uh, Chronomancers really existed in in the Silmarillion. But... Well, we don't know what the Blue Wizards did, so they could have been the Chronomancers. There you go. Um, I'll start off. Lead us uh, a, lead, yeah, take it away, sir. I'm gonna give this game a seven point five. Um, I think it was whoa, pretty good. I liked it. Um, I think it was uh, it, like. I think it shows off a lot of the like where the appeal of a uh like a roguelike game can come from like i can see very very much why roguelikes were popular like well before graphics got good like you could have <laughs> played and made most of this game a long time ago yeah um like most of the stuff like the graphics are not important to the gameplay you don't need to have like a strong computer to run it i mean there's some like visual effects in there that like add a little bit but like the dungeon exploring bit, the the moving around, the the like complex systems interacting with each other and exploration and stuff, um, it's all there. And like I, I had a pretty good time playing it. Um, I I mean I definitely have some criticisms on how some of the, the user interfaces and some of the peripheral things um, work, but like overall, I I thought it was a a pretty fun game. And uh, yeah, I think it I if if you're I think if this is if someone was asking me, I want to play a traditional roguelike, this is probably the one that I would recommend to them now. Um, I think Cogmind is a better game, but this is a more intro friendly uh, in terms of like 
you want to experience the genre and you want the fantasy aspect of it. Like this really does have, I mean, it has the start stuff. And then if you want to get deeper into it, it's got all the weird stuff later in it too. For sure. For sure. All right. So uh, I've given lots of disclaimers throughout this whole episode. Um, I'll give one last final one, uh, which is to say, uh, you know, when you're, when, when we're given these ratings, I mean, the, the, how useful it is just comes down to, you know, for, on a player by player basis. If you are like me and you tend to like twitchier games, um, this review is applicable. Uh, originally I gave it like a five and then over the course of our conversation, I realized, well, five, I mean, five out of 10 makes you think, oh, this game's average. It's definitely not average. It's above average, certainly. And I think I can, again, understand uh, why people like it. Uh, all the stuff that Scott's describing, uh, Colin, your experiences, Will, your experiences, however um, uh, <laughs> troubled they were at times, <laughs> uh, have, in, you know, show, uh, illustrate to me that, hey, this game has a lot of depth and interest. And uh, previously, I said that I think it is an achievement, and I still stand by that statement um that assessment uh so yeah 5.5 which unfortunately you know puts it in like my bottom four uh of the games that i've reviewed (laughs) with you fine folks uh but uh yeah i'm glad that i played it ultimately i said Mm -hmm. that those six hours were not especially enjoyable but i'm glad to have played tome it's better than the point one that you gave Cataclysm Dark Days. <laughs> well, the only reason I gave it a point one was so like I could get it to like work in the ranking system, and that was the quickest <laughs> way to like. Well, I want to make sure it's at the bottom. Point one. <laughs> Don't te- I, I'm pretty tempted to go back and give it a similar rating just out of spite at this point. <laughs> and and that, that raises that's pretty bad. And, and that raises a great point. Like here we have a game that, for all its UI problems, is is a lot better and does also have mouse and like it has it avoids a lot of the pitfalls of cataclysm while also having um i would argue more uh interesting and more varied content cool um i guess i'm gonna take it away here with uh with my review uh so as as everyone obviously knows because i've said this so many times six (laughs) is my recommend threshold right if it's a six or above um i'm gonna go with a 6.5 here we did it mission accomplished boom um release the balloons (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, this is to say, like, it's interesting. Don't beat the game. Like, be exposed to it. And I think I think yeah, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Expose yourself to it. There are some weirdos out there who get really into this, like uh, the person who wrote in. Thank you for writing in. Uh, but, like, it's, <laughs> but, like, I can understand, like, how, you know, someone could get sucked in. But, like, you should just tell. Are you that kind of person? Um, for me, uh, no. And, and uh, I just want to just reiterate, roguelike, traditional roguelikes, cannot be fun they can't be fun it's not actually possible and it it can't be compelling enough to make you play 60 hours well this was a a spiteful (laughs) sort of nothing like i said i i've already given the reason for that and um i i never intend to open this game again unless maybe the the airport or the air uh the you know flight situation might make more sense maybe i played civ 5 though or something like that but anyways um yeah so 6.5 um uh, if only it wasn't a roguelike. That's it's, it was doomed from the start. Um, <laughs> but it, it passed the threshold. It did. It, there's a, there's enough in there where you know test it out. All right. I think I'm going to bring us home here with I I'm going to give this game a nine because what? yeah I think this game I I didn't really like bounce off of at the beginning. I just kind of was like there's I don't know like what 
is here to grab me yet. And I think that like the more I've kind of delved into it, the more I've been exposed to the very helpful Discord community that provides lots of good strategy insight. Uh, the website itself reminds me a lot of like the Halo 2 era of like linking your account to the thing and you can see like all of your, your stats and stuff on the main page and see where like your your characters like ranking is and all that stuff like it it the community for this game despite the game being kind of long in the tooth feels very alive and very refreshing to engage with um which is which is a big plus uh, i think we kind of talked about a lot of the things that uh are our anchor points to this like the you like the ui not having an okay or an accept button a lot of the time is sort of baffling um uh, being able to like compare gear very easily, yeah, is something that more modern action RPGs do in a much more succinct fashion. I think there's there's like a bottomless pit of mods that you can add on to quote fix those problems, but should they need fixing? Um, I think I have this is probably my best dollar to hour engagement value for any of the roguelike games that I have where I've put like 40 ish hours into a game that I bought for two bucks. Um, but I think the quality here is much better than $2. I think there's a lot of interesting variety, not just from the character classes, but basically from all the levels that aren't the starting one, like the sandworm pit where you're having to like chase sandworms as like the level is collapsing around you and make sure you don't get caught in like a bunch of sand and suffocate. Like cool idea. Uh, these are things that um, if, if like, I see a lot of parallels between like Elden Ring and Souls-like games and this but like this being much more in the rogue sphere where like, yeah, you're free to go and explore any, any zone that you want, but you're going to get bludgeoned to death by a skeleton in one hit. So good luck. Um, I think, yeah, like there's uh, like picking up items automatically, not having to worry about food, not having to worry about grinding monsters, things that you see in a lot of other traditional roguelikes that are just a, a chore and I hate and like are antithetical to good game design. Uh, I think this, I think Dark God has done a very good job in circumventing those and getting right to the fun factor of just you go in, you blow stuff up with spells, you die, great, try something new. Uh, I think that that flow works very well. So a nine for me, um, that's going to put it aggregate, uh, despite my nine, uh, at our new number 18 game, just behind Grifflands and just ahead of Streets of Rogue out of the 40 games that we've talked about thus far. Um, and if you've made it this far in the episode, you're probably thinking, okay, what are some games that are like Tome, but different? Uh, and I think there's there's two that jump out immediately. I mentioned Ancient Domains of Mystery. Uh, that has all the stuff that I don't like about traditional roguelikes. With food meters and using scrolls and spell management, It's I've played that. It's just, it's not for me. Um, Dungeon Crawl Stones. Hmm? But it could be for you. Yes, listener. it could be for you, gentle listener. Uh, so give it a look see and see see if that if it jibes with you if you thought tome had too advanced of graphics there's always dungeon crawl stone soup for you where it <laughs> is there's no animations as far as i can tell uh it is very much you are just in a single ass dungeon you are crawling it there's probably some stone soup around uh similar open source uh whack game wackiness but it's very much more andrew like you were saying of like getting into that like almost shell scripting terminal uh keyboard command of just like use a keyboard command for everything and you're just like on turbo mode the whole time uh again i think these two are, aren't games for us for this podcast specifically for us four 
But I know a lot of people will probably be tuning in. Oh, they're talking about Tome. They're going to talk about Dungeon Crawl, right? Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, but some games that I think are probably more our vibe, different graphical aesthetics, uh, maybe a little bit more focused and coherent in their game design. Um, there's a game called Dungeon Mans, which is much, it's a similar vibe of Tome, maybe a little more constrained in its craziness. Uh, but it's it's got that kind of like... Uh, Dungeons of Dreadmore comedic effect going on, open world, and every time that you die, it's like, congrats, you died, and then uh, you are leveling up your uh, Dungeon Academy uh, starting town uh, as you go. Uh, recently released uh, Moon Ring has a very interesting visual aesthetic to it, free to play, developed by, I think, a guy who left Bungie, question uh, mark? But that has gotten some really good reviews of, like, being kind of something that splits the difference between a roguelike and like an Ultima game, if that makes sense. Uh, and yeah, I think that like in terms of solid modern UI development in a traditional roguelike space, Moonring is something that does it very well. Uh, open world insanity uh, game Elona, E-L-O-N-A. Uh, if you can think about it, you can do it in that one. Um, and I think a for sure stay tuned and a half Possibly 1.0ing this year uh, is Caves of Cud, which I think yeah. is like the sci-fi equivalent of this. But uh, maybe when we get to it, the menu system will be a little less baffling than it actually is. Uh, but give those games a look-see. Uh, we talk a little bit about Cogmine as more of kind of like a focused single-player experience. But yeah, I think like we have some we have some in the pipe coming up too that I think will test our hypotheses about what we liked and didn't like about this game uh coming down the road so stay tuned for some of those um yeah i think uh as we wind down here uh, if you want to write in with your thoughts about uh home vaults you can send those emails into grogpodzone at gmail.com uh you can see all of the uh tenant posting i've been doing about chronomancers at uh, grogpod at gamedev.place on Mastodon, and you can see our website that has all this nonsense on it with data and our spreadsheets and all that exciting thing at grogpod.zone. Um, our next episode is a listener-requested episode, and I think they've thrown a, a diplomatic bone to Colin and Will this time with the roguelike city builder against the storm. Everyone is frantically Googling now. What, what is this? I, mean, I told you guys about it a uh, dozen I'm times. already on the Steam page. <laughs> this is this is oh yeah I, yeah right right yeah i've played i've played about 10 hours of this and i i this is a a sieve and factorio uh players dream for roguiness i almost uh, bought it and then i was like well we're just gonna be playing this eventually on the podcast so i'll wait until we do it yeah so the listeners, yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, suggesting this to us. Uh, again, if you want to request a show for us to to talk about, send us an email, grogpodzone at gmail.com, or just you know put it put it down below. Or, like you're listening to this, down below means anywhere. Uh, <laughs> just tell us what game you want us to play, and then uh, then we'll get to it eventually. Um, but yeah, our episode upcoming. Uh, I I think Will probably already has 300 hours in it since uh, I just said against the storm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna put the curtains, uh, on Tome here. And, uh, well, I guess and by say goodbye, <laughs> it is Tome to say goodbye. And what better way to say goodbye than having the curtain of this episode of this 
gray rain curtain of this world rolling back on this podcast episode and all of the audio that you've listening to has turned to silver glass and then you see it colin see see what gandalf what is it gandalf <laughs> you see white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise for the next podcast episode